welcome back to another exciting episode of Goth Girl Horror, the Hack Slash Podcast. Very unique episode. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I am your co-host, Tressie Lux. And today we're talking about the one-shot Hack Slash Trailers Part 2. So it was a part one that came out during the Devil's Due Press days. And this is also a one-shot that has never been reprinted before. It's uh, quite interesting, the story reason why. And um, we're going to break it down between the 13 tales of Naked Fear, which if you go on Google and look up Trailers 2's cover, there's a cover drawn by Tim of the Naked Cassie, um, downstairs business and all, but it doesn't have the stripes that say Hackslash Trailers 2 covering up her breast and downstairs. Oh, I was going to say it's all out there, because I was going to say on the issue it is definitely covered by what looks like a film strip. Yeah, in the in the and there's a picture online that Tim did of uh just what you know, obviously he drew Cassie naked and then they put the film strips over her breast and nether regions. Yeah. He does the black and white in a certain type of style because there's another one of Tim did in twenty uh I think it says twenty eighteen. Cassie is just sitting down with her knees bent up, um, breast exposed outward, uh, and she's holding her bat, not between her legs, but just like at her legs. And it looks like the same art style Tim used to draw the sketch cover. Um, well, sketch cover, the sketch image for the, the nude Cassie. Because she's nude on the cover, just covered up by the film strips. Huh. So, yeah, it probably was done around the same time, too. Hmm. Have you seen... You said you haven't had a chance to see the Fear Street uh, movies? Oh, no, unfortunately, it's like my free time is becoming like next to none as of right now. So oh. I've been enjoying hearing everybody else talking about Fear Street. But what did you think of it? Oh, what's uh, what's been taking up your free time besides the uh, YouTube channel? Uh, work. I got a huge promotion at work, so I've been learning how to do loans and that kind of stuff. Oh, so neato. I've been staying late. Yeah. <laughs> the Fear Street movie, the first one, I thought was okay. It was like. It's like if millennials today, where everything's offensive and everything has to be included and everything has to be like, you know, like their way about it, made Scream, which a lot of people oh. found really kind of like, uh, you guys focused way too much on this. And the plot yeah. line should have been this whole thing. You know what I mean? Like, there's a subplot line of this, like, girl and she loves this person named Sam and we find out it's the head cheerleader. You know, and they're like gay romance back and forth. It really takes away from the whole thing. And then we finally get some cool kills, like somebody getting pushed through a meat grinder. Oh, nice. Yeah, like a meat chop, meat cool slice, kill. or whatever. Her face just gets <laughs> ripped apart. Fucking awesome. Um, yep. But then they did the, the second one, 1978, and that kicked ass so, in so many ways. It was set at a summer camp, same thing. Sarah Fear is possessing people. Somebody gets possessed, starts killing everybody. Like, just, there's no. You know what I mean? There's none of the the stuff I found was a little bit overdone in the first one. You know what I mean? Like there's it is a straight yeah. up slasher movie. The drama is about two sisters who don't feel like they're really sisters. You know what I mean? Because one's bad and one's a little goody two shoes. You know what okay. I'm saying? Um, yep, the polar opposites. Yep, yes, it's so much better than the relationship crap in the first one. I don't care. They're queer. I don't care <laughs> if they're straight. It's just garbage, and it's just constantly like thrown at us every five seconds in the first film. Um, 
the second one or whatever, it's as, you know, it, as much as the 70s are going to get out of it, you know what I'm saying? And the music's yeah. fantastic. I feel like they had more music in the sequel than they did in the first one. The first one, I feel like they were really, like, restrained on how much music they could use because every second of a okay. song, you're basically paying, like, $10 for. E. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, and, uh... Also, there was definitely a lot more, like, sex in it, because it showed, like, it, it, like, opens up with, like, someone, like, you know, someone, like, fucking. And then later on, there's, like, a couple fucking in a bed, like, on top of each other. And I was uh-huh. like, whoa, they're really, like, doing that, the whole that... slasher thing with, like, the the, <laughs> the, the characters fucking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, That's whoa, there's before. titties here, too. The first movie, I don't think the first one had, uh, had that, you know what I mean? Maybe because they were supposed they to be in high school. What? Oh, that's... I said, even though they had the relationship, that's funny. Um, so I was a bit surprised about that. A lot of weed smoking, and it's the 70s at summer camp, you know what I mean? A lot of drinking, but I was kind of shocked mm-hmm. by the amount of, like, the violence was still, like, the, there was a lot more, like, violent kills, too. Like, man, like, the guy would, serial kill would chop people up with an axe or whatever, and he would chop kids up off screen, and then you'd see the remains later on. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, it was fucking great. I was like, yeah, kill the kids! <laughs> Usually we end up rooting for the slashers and slasher films anyway. So right, yeah, that, but so they don't... I'm wondering why they were so different then. I don't know. It, it seems like they're the same director, too. The tone was just drastically different. It's just The 1978 one was more violent, darker. The, the, the characters were much more likable. And, you know, the, the the sex and gore was just turned up to 11, so. And there wasn't, like, a ton of fucking. There was just, like, two scenes of it. But there was a hell of a lot more sex <laughs> than there was in the first film. And I thought the kills were definitely a hell of a lot more violent, too. So. That's cool, though. But, yeah. yeah. I'm hoping I can watch it sometime soon, so we'll uh, see. And then the next one, um, I guess one of the main characters from the first film gets transported back in time through hallucinations or something to 1666, which is where the start of the Fear uh, Street saga begins. So we'll have to see about that. Oh, yeah. But just a little slasher goodness since we talk about slasher books. But we're going to start off right now with uh, Hack Slash, uh, the trailers, uh, part two. We already kind of got on over the cover, so we don't really need to do it that way. But Karsh and I will be going back and forth with the 13 different tales. But I also have some information about some cool information about trailers um, actually comes from Tim Seeley himself. He says, that one was done to help me pay the creators who weren't paid by Devil's Due. Most everyone in that book did their stories for no money. Um, the creators are the ones who donated their time. I didn't pay off all the debt, but it helped a lot. I think the book made about $9,000, and we had $30,000 in debt. So it was basically like a debt kind of thing. It was very unique unique and this is why trailers part two has never been reprinted and tim says he does not plan on doing it oh wow so only way to get copies of this are on second hand my copy is signed by tim and his brother and one other person i think oh jenny frisna and uh however i would like to get my copy replaced and have them resign it because there's like a couple smudges on my copy which kind of suck otherwise it's in good yeah. condition but they're unfortunately it's just the spine has smudges on it as well like there's like the spine is intact. It's just it's kind of like the the print is off on your fingers. Kind of like the way Marvel prints crap today, which really sucks. Yeah. Because I have a copy of Extreme Carnage Alpha, uh, part one of their eight part Extreme Carnage crossover event or whatever, and there's already a fingerprint on the back, right on the face of Scarlett Johansson because there's an advertisement for the Black Widow. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's so, not cool. No. Speaking of uh, Tim's uh, superhero books, uh, coming out this August uh, is issue one of eight, I think, of Superman vs. Lobo, a black label book by Tim Seeley and his artist from Money Shot. Yes. Yes. I was uh, getting excited about that, too. Mm, definitely. Definitely. So we're going to do this how how we're going to do this is... I'm going to do the odd number of stories. Uh, sorry, the even number of stories. Charlie's going to do the odd number of, of stories, starting with Butterface. Yes, Butterface. In this first trailer, we have the story by Chris Burnham, art by Stefan Molnar, colors by Ben Ellibrecht, letters by Crank. Edits are actually, I should say, edits for the entire issue were all done by Sam Wells. It was published by Image and it was originally published on November 2010. And Cassie and Vlad find themselves at a bonfire party with a group of teens that are telling the urban legend of Butterface. A girl by the name of Emily Warren was the ugliest girl in school, but her and the, ug- and the second ugliest teen in the school decide to go together to the homecoming dance. They end up at a party afterwards and are in the middle of hooking up when a group of teens jump out of the closet to prank them. Come to find out, they are all shocked to find that she is an extremely hot body. But the shock doesn't last long, and they all start calling her Butterface. Embarrassed, she runs out of the house to never be seen again, until all the party goers start to die off one by one. Emler was getting her revenge on anyone who had mocked her. And I'm looking up right now who the artists are in some of these books. Um, Stephen Molnar has done Imaginary Friends. Sorry, Imaginary Fiends. Okay, yeah, because that was also with Tim. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's a uh, horrific book as well. <laughs> I didn't even have a chance to read that book, but uh, from the images I saw of it, it definitely looks very spooky. I was going to say, it is very good, and it's definitely one of his darker comics, so... Mm-hmm. I would recommend it to anybody that loves any kind of form of horror comics. So this girl's face is obscured the entire time in shadow, um, and we see her body as being like, you know, the 10 out of 10 it is. Um, Yeah. It's, uh, I guess, it's... um, I don't know if they would ever make a story like this fly on, like, TV. uh, Butterface. No, and it would be be hard... Hard pressed to get like an actress who's completely nude to be like you know in like the TV show. However, I did just watch a Lovecraft movie where it was just like constantly like naked women in it, um, running from something. Um, the 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 bag the paper bag over her head, and she resorts to serial killer even though she has like a ten out of ten body, is a little funny I think. Uh, yep, it definitely has the comedic side to it, and of course the one-liner puns that come from Cassie at the end as well. <laughs> uh, well, because uh, of course she says, "Nice rack. Shame I'm gonna have to paint it with your brains." <laughs> I like it when she stabs the girl in the eyeball. The blood shoots up right in front of her nether regions and, and, and nipples. <laughs> It literally covers everything. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one hot serial killer killing a hot co-ed, I guess. Mm-hmm. She's got, like, somebody tied up in the basement or something like that in her underwear as well. And then I that's how it ends. I'm sorry I made fun of you. Yeah, and then it just kind of ends. Um, yep. 
Moving on to the next story. Uh, so this is Too Cute, story by Dennis Hopeless, art by Kyle Stram, colors by Buster Moody, and letters by Crank. And again, all these were published at the same time because it's in one single issue. Um, yep. Cassie and Vlad go to what I thought was a club just because of the artwork in here. It very much reminds me of heavy metal. Um, and they encounter a bunch of evil gremlin furry like creatures that are just too cute, cute to kill. And then they begin to uh, fight them. The end. <laughs> uh, I have to look up who this artist is because this art just screams heavy metal to me. Oh, and I, I love the artwork in this one. This one I love that it's this weird spoof between the movie Gremlins and also um, an homage to Star Trek for the Trouble with Tribbles episode. And you can fully see it when Cassie's on the phone with Chris. She's got the, a necklace on that has the Star Trek symbol on it. So it was definitely supposed to be an homage to both. Mm. Um, Kyle, I guess, also worked on Lobo. That's where may I've seen his artwork from. Pumpkinhead... Uh, unless these might be sketch covers. No, actually, no, he did work on Pumpkinhead. So he's worked on Pumpkinhead and uh, Lobo and Unearth. I'm not too familiar with Unearth. But he also was the artist on the Kiss Army of Darkness crossover book. Okay, yeah, I can see that. But yeah, th this one was definitely my favorite one. Just because <laughs> everyone they're, just they're looks killing a bunch of Furbies. <laughs> yeah, everyone just looks so hideous. You know, even like Cassie mm -hmm. or whatever is just not like done up. And like the shot where she's like is more fucking like it, where she's swinging the bat with the creatures everywhere. The way her body is drawn and her breasts are barely being contained by her bra is just it looks really ridiculous. <laughs> Oh, but these creatures, though. I, I think it's supposed to be the idea, now that I'm thinking, it's it's not a club. I bet it's supposed to be like a pawn shop, like at the beginning of uh, the movie Gremlins. Because I'm seeing the ones got, because um, everything's like a Chinese reference looking thing. And I see there's Chinese takeout on top of one of her's head. I see a ninja star. So I bet, I bet it's a little pawn shop. Dennis Hopeless, who wrote this, uh, has worked on all new, all different, uh, all new X-Men that was the time-traveled uh, displaced X-Men characters. Yeah. Uh, as well as Avengers Arena, um, which was like, like the a bunch of different uh, also-ran B-list, uh, C-list superheroes were in a murder world, mojo, or arcade, um, battle royale kind of uh, reality TV show. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, it was actually very popular. And uh, he also wrote uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider, and he was the writer of several of the Spider-Man comic book tie-ins to the video game. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately I haven't seen any of those, but yeah, they definitely sound cool. And Exo Manowar, which is funny because uh, Tim Seeley has written Bloodspot. Yes. All right, moving on to the next one. So then the next one we have is Campfire Stories with story by Scott Alley, pencils by to uh, Todd Herman, inks by Jason Gorder, colors by Andrew Dalhouse, or Dalhouse, letters by Nate Picos. We have Vlad and Cassie end up at campgrounds that appears to have multiple problems. After hearing a scream in the woods, they discover a group of female campers afraid for their lives. Cabin 8 appears to be haunted. Not only that, but there is also a hatchet man on the loose, killing the campers as well. 
But when Cassie goes to save one of the girls, she finds out there are multiple hatchet men, not just one. She battles it out with the hatchet men, only to be saved by a giant turtle that eats the last surviving hatchet man before he can attack Cassie. This trailer ends with Vlad telling ghost stories around dead bodies and the campfire. This was a longer one out of uh, all of them, I think. Yes, this was definitely one of the longer ones. It, we kind of got a nice little tribute in the beginning here with a uh, Tabber, and they're kind of saying, well, you know, that darn Tabber, he's always got to get his alcohol and ruin the day. And I thought that art was. Know, I thought the art was uh, by Dan Parent there for a second. Yeah, I would have thought so too. And I mean, maybe he did just for that one little image. I don't know. Todd Herman is the artist on this. Yeah, I, I guess they would have given credit to Dan if he would have done even just that little right, part. Right, you so, know, but no. doing the, uh, doing the uh, what do you call it, the... Uh, the Archie style. The Archie style is not that difficult to do. Um, no, no. <laughs> it looks like he is... I'm not finding a lot of uh, the artist's artwork, but there might be more than one of these Todd Hermans. Uh, worked on a book called Cut Above, and hmm. I'm not too familiar with what that is. Um, yeah. Now, the writer on this book, I've actually had on Radio of Horror several times. Uh, he was one of the first frequent guests I had on the show. <clears throat> Last year, do you know what happened with Scott Alley? I was going to say, the name sounds familiar, but I'm not sure what happened to him last year. Did he get sick? He was the uh, he's a comic book writer and editor uh, and executive um, executive uh, uh, man in charge over at Dark Horse Comics. However, he was fired by Dark Horse Comics last year due to multiple sexual allegations uh, being leveled uh, against okay. him, including a uh, like six page story of some victims' claim against him. Like it is a long, long, uh, yeah. incredible read. Yuck. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that that's why the name sounds familiar then then oh my god. Yeah, no, he definitely needed to be fired. Um yeah, so less is said about that the better. Uh, moving on with yeah. the story itself. So the uh the the camp the setting is funny considering we just got done talking about Fear Street. Um <laughs> Cassie can't catch a break getting tossed through the thing to through the through the window and helping uh you know, just coming across the multiple mutilated victims the guy doing the killing uh blood on the leaves blood on the root i'm not too familiar with that song uh reminds me a lot of um the 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 comic book version of the vulture it does it really does have that kind of like feel to it but i don't recognize the song either i would be curious what the tune would be and then he gets killed by a giant snapping turtle <laughs> mhm uh, it quite a large snapping turtle. <laughs> yeah, just comes out of the lake and just devours him. Moving like on said, to multiple problems. <laughs> moving on to hack slash e o e equal opportunity executioner. I don't even have a plot synopsis for us because it's two pages. Cassie sits it, down on a bench and then was, kills a slasher. Yeah. Coming soon to a theater near you. Words, pictures, colors, letters by Russ Wooten. So he did. All of it. Everything. Oh, well, that's kind of cool, then, that he just handled the whole issue himself. <laughs> yeah. Also, Cassie looks a lot older, too. She does. She looks like she'd be in her late 20s, maybe even 30s, the way she was drawn in this. When Cassie Hack 
proves that when it comes to slashers, she does not discriminate, uh, not on the basis of race, color, religion, sex, national origin, disability, or age. <laughs> yep. I love that. And we just kind of know that, well, Kathy took care of this problem as well. <laughs> All right, moving on to the next one, which has a great color scheme to it. <laughs> yes, I was going to say monochromatic kind of teal. So we have Malice in Wonderland, story by Shane White, art by Dev Madden, colors by Zach Atkinson. Cassie and Vlad are hot on the trail chasing a doppelganger. They follow him to a strange universe that has many unlikely events happening in it including a butcher who looks and happens to be named just like Vlad's late father, but he is murdered by the doppelganger. They finally catch up to him. When he thinks that he's going to be caught, he uses a woman as a hostage. Come to find out, the woman is actually a conjoined twin with a man who knocks out the doppelganger instead. Turns out it's Dick Clark, and he's found the secret to eternal youth. Like Dick Clark, the guy who hosted the uh, New Year's Eve drop every year? Yep. I think it's supposed to be that Dick Clark. Now, Dev Madden is the creator of what video game character? I was going to say, I don't know that one. Sly Cooper. Oh, okay. Yeah, I haven't played that game. Yeah, uh, he... Um, it, he, it's a uh, international thief kind of uh, story. You play as the thief himself. He's like a fox and an anthropomorphic, you know, kind of creature world. Uh, very popular okay. video game. Only has three entries. A lot of people have been constantly asking him to bring it back. Okay, I'll have to look into that. Yeah, that does sound good. What do you think of the art in here with the way it is with the uh, you know monochromatic tones, which uh, reminds me of, uh, have you seen the book on the shelves, uh, Superman uh, Red and Blue? That's what a lot of this artwork reminds me of, that book that's currently on the shelves right now. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it definitely made me think of older comics, the way that it was kind of drawn out and with the monochromatic, a lot more of the speckled design or how I yeah. think of it. You said it better than I did. I, I butchered the yeah. word monochromatic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I like it. It's just, it went perfectly with the idea that they kind of drove into this new world. And I mean, I guess it leads into the name that it's Malice in Wonderland, kind of a spoof on Alice in Wonderland. So I, I liked it. I did. I love the little idea that, you know, they get to take care of Dick Clark, who has found the Fountain of Youth. <laughs> Shane White is both a writer and a uh, and, and, and a uh, and an artist, by the way. Um, looks like he's worked on covers for uh, some like Fantastic Four, Heavy Metal, uh, the Beethoven comic book, which I've never heard of, 2000 AD, Amazing Spider-Man, um, Brawn, Things Undone, Endless Summer, Autumn People, uh, and then his website's got various pictures up here of like Clayface fighting Sp Batgirl, uh, uh, Buck Rogers, uh, Giant Robot, like fighting another Giant Robot, uh, Red Sonia. Um, so yeah. he's done a lot. Uh, yeah, not a whole heck of a lot. It looks like he's also he was also involved in the film Frazetta Painting with Fire, 2003 documentary about the late great uh, uh, fantasy painter best known for bringing Conan the Barbarian to life. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Blood on the Dance Floor, 
story and art by Kevin Mellone. Do you want to look up who that is uh, while I go through the plot synopsis? And letters yeah. by Crank once again. Crank is the letterer on like everything. I think he is, yeah. Oh, okay, so this is where I got confused with the dance club. So Cassie, which did, it really threw me off that this was Cassie because of the red in her hair. But, uh, yeah, so Cassie goes to a dance club to get her groove on and to just be alive and ends up killing a slasher who seems to be attacking the dance club in a very Jason-style uh, mask. The end. <laughs> um, did we see who Kevin Malone is? Malone? I am just getting to it let's see well this one that keeps trying to take me to an art director from Floyd County Productions I'm like I don't think that's the same Kevin try Milan. googling Kevin Milan um, comic art see what it comes up with okay that might help uh, Ka- uh, Cassie goes into the club and Vlad hangs out in the van but it doesn't even look like Vlad in that one little image I mean he's got a slightly green or gray face whatever but it just it doesn't it doesn't tell me that that was Vlad <laughs> and this was Cassie. Yeah. Very odd. Um, have you gone to any nightclubs since you've come back to the real world? Uh, I was going to say the last time I was actually at a club was just before COVID was. So it would have been February of 2020. Ah. I went to a club in Madison. But yeah, that that would have been the last time I was at one. I was Not at anything recently. Yeah, I was almost a, yeah same same thing for me. I went to a club with a friend of mine. Um, she was helping me through some stuff. We got uh, you know we we went to one or two clubs and like a goth nightclub. It was actually just uh, the last night of this goth nightclub. Unfortunately, in the Boston area, it closed and not because of COVID. Um, they were planning on closing it anyway. And um, there we uh, we had some uh, we had some drinks and we we got onto the dance floor. Yeah, that sounds very similar to what me and my husband did. <laughs> she was but, uh, uh, okay. very she was uh, uh, she was like you have some moves and I'm just like only if alcohol's in me. <laughs> She's like you got other things going on too, but uh, I'm enjoying it. So <laughs> come here. <laughs> but let's see. So. He has, looks like he's been a part of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, for Marvel. And let's see, what else do I have here? Screamland, American Muscle. Trying to find ones that would be... If you can't find a lot, we'll, we'll, we'll move on to the next story. Yeah. Heart, it looks like. American Muscle. So, yeah. But, yeah, he has helped with some things on uh, Marvel then for uh, Marvels of S.H.I.E.L.D., Okay, like I said, we'll we'll move on to the next story. But I did like the art style in this one because uh, Cassie definitely did look different in that one. So, all right, so next one is Wallow in Death, and that was story by Mike Elviri, art and letters by Sean K. Dove, and a young woman is tied up. And a pig masked man is ordering his pet bi- his pet pig to eat her. Cassie and Vlad show up just in time to stop them from killing the girl. They first take out the pig, and then they finish off the slasher. The girl they save then asks them to untie her, but Cassie reveals that it was her and her friends who had killed the man and his pig for a joke, and it was their fault he came back as a slasher in the first place. So Cassie and Vlad leave her tied up in the mud, as a punishment the uh the artist for the book won the 2001 bram stoker award uh for superior achievement in her first novel 
uh, German edition. Nice. Yeah. I am pushing to get Ken nominated for a Stoker Award for the graphic novel artwork in Vlada. That would be really cool mm. if you can get that pulled off. I mean, yeah, he definitely deserves it. That art was really, really amazing. So the the guy, the creature without his like pig head on, just looks more hideous than Vlad. Yeah. And Vlad's got like oh pure God. green skin too. <laughs> Which after meeting his and, grandfather uh, and his brother, <laughs> it's like okay, so Vlad is green, okay? So let's just stick to green. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This girl who this girl who's tied up with the mud covering up her you know more delicate areas is 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 quite funny. Um, that the, the pig is just sitting here like sniffing her and gonna try and eat her, and I'm just like, good god. Well, and the fact that somehow her face is the only thing not covered with any form of mud. Exactly, exactly. Um, the writer on this story. Uh, Sorry, the illustrator was Sean Dove. So the writer was Mike. The illustrator was Sean Dove. Um, Sean. Sean Dove art. Uh, let's see. Sean Dove has done a lot of very cutesy style artwork, which fits with the art that is in this story. It's not, you know, it's it's horror, but it's definitely also cute as well. Um, and his a lot of his artwork just seems to be like he doesn't seem to have like one specific book that he's worked on, but he's got like a lot of really cute artwork stuff, like you know characters from like Adventureland, and I see a Jubilee. Um, but uh, yeah, he just seems to be like an artist for hire. I can definitely see that with that style. Like it, it definitely seems like it would be a cuter style, but yeah. I do like it mixed with the horror. Yeah, he's got a Maggie Sawyer too, which is very funny. <laughs> it's just a random uh-huh. character. <laughs> Maggie Sawyer, for anyone who's not familiar with Superman, um, is uh, <laughs> Superman's uh, head of. Well, sometimes she's in Gotham as well, but she is the head of the G- uh, the uh, Metropolis Special Crimes Unit, and also a um, a uh, lesbian character in DC Comics. Once upon a time, engaged uh-huh. a Batwoman. <laughs> Until the evil Nocturna came along and seduced Batwoman into bed with her. <laughs> and oh, the yeah. fans hated it. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that being a hated thing. <laughs> yeah, Nocturna is also a vampire too, so let's... <laughs> yep. It's like, guys, we, we can't... We can't, like, call out bad vampire stories for vampires being semi-rapey, but still, like, other vampire stories when that's all vampires really are with their mind control, their non-consensual attacking. You know, I'm just letting you know. You can't pick your fight to... They're predators. (laughs) Yeah, they're also bad guys for a reason. Yes. I get the whole, like, sexually inappropriate mind control... Uh, destroying of the the engagement with Maggie and Batwoman was a DC editorial thing, and those people are no longer at DC Comics. But uh, mm-hmm. at the same time, vampires are bad creep bad guys normally. You know, every once in a while you get an angel, yeah. you'll get Nick Knight, but vampires are bad bad people. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, That's moving on to Rape Van. Jesus Christ, oh, talking God, about rape. Yeah. Uh, a writer is Mike Norton, art by Brent Schoonover, colors by Nate Lovett, letters by Crank. A couple is getting on in a van, and the girl notices somebody is creeping on them, and they go back to continue getting it on, and then the van crushes and kills the car the couple is in. 
assuming trying to rape it in the tailpipe. Cassie and Vlad investigate, and they find out the van is itself possessed, and they end up destroying the van. The end. Oh my god, I love the end of the issue when Cassie's got that, just the way he drew her face, where she's just kind of like, huh, well that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, so I, the reason why it's called Rape Van, if you don't have this issue, we have to describe it. What color yes. is a typical Rape Van usually associated with? It's usually that nondescript, large, white van with no windows. Right. What color are Amazon vans driving around? Uh, I was going to say, generally those vans right there. <laughs> uh, the artist on this has worked on things like The Goon, Gravity, Revival, which is a book that's spotlighted in here. Uh, Gravity is a Marvel comic book character. The Answer, a lot of stuff I'm not too, too familiar with, but his artwork's pretty good. Oh, he also worked on a Green Arrow, Black Canary one-shot, um, and a Donald Trump uh, parody comic as well. So, good on him. The uh, I absolutely love the way Cassie is drawn in this. Uh, I think she's yes. fantastic. Vlad doesn't look as, like, overweight as he normally is. He just looks like a big, tall, good-looking guy, which is totally fine. <laughs> Very muscular. Right. Very, like... But, yeah, I love how Cassie is drawn in this one, too. Absolutely. And, of course, the girl wants to get it on, but she's like, you've got to get rid of the guy perving on us about to get it on. <laughs> and then the fucking van rapes the car, killing the guy, the two inside. <laughs> I am shocked by that. And I absolutely love the fact that Cassie and Vlad are in a fucking hearse. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is good it, stuff. So, and, and it doesn't get the hearse, because uh, Vlad takes out the van, so... <laughs> Definitely um, probably one of the funnier of the issues. I'm wondering if the person who's on the cover isn't Jenny. No, that is... Okay, that's not Brent Schoonover. Is that Brent Schoonover? Brent? No, okay. So Brent Schoonover, by the way, was the artist on um, an Ant-Man book for a while. And uh, he uh, he did the uh, Infinity uh, Black Widow one-shot tie-in to a dumb story that everyone hated at Marvel. Oh, I think I've had Brent on my show before because he's also worked on the... Um, Howling Commandos, um, like, you know, short-lived, like, series about, like, the monsters of the Marvel Universe working for Nick Nick Fury. Um, and he's done other stuff, like, uh, Immortal, uh, covers for, like, Immortal Hulk and Standoff and Captain Marvel. So I, I swear, I think this, act, this, this, this artist has been on my show. Yeah. Oh, he's also done, uh, Devil's Highway, so, okay, so that's where his name sounded familiar to me. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the next story, which is a very, I think, uh, probably the uh, best uh, drawn story in here, but I can't imagine why. Yeah, um, probably the saddest story in it, too. So, But this one is Home, Home on Derange, and story is by Steve Seeley, uh-huh. art by Jenny Frazen, uh-huh. and letters by Josh Emmons. Gee, I wonder why you got their signatures for this issue. <laughs> well, Steve was with it with Tim, and he's like, oh, my brother also worked on this. Why don't you have him go sign it? And then Jenny was right next yeah. to them as well in the same little area. And she, he's like, oh, and Jenny worked on my story. I was like, oh, you're Jenny Frisna. And she's like, yeah. Uh, very talented woman. Very pretty also yes. if you ever meet her. Be- yes. Absolutely beautiful and absolutely beautiful artwork. Um, she has a hack slash cover, which I think is the one of the most expensive hack slash issues out there besides the crossover with Devil's Due Press. Um, with uh, Mercy Sparks is the uh, uh, Wizard of Oz cover. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that one is good. So, yeah, I can see that. And I also have an original piece of artwork of that Jenny did of, of Megan Fox from Jennifer's Body. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, which I didn't know much about her when I had her do it years ago. Um, and then years later, it was on my table uh, mixed up with some stuff, and someone's like, are you selling this? I was like, what is it? And they're like, this is Jenny Frisna. This is an original piece of artwork. It's all rolled up. Whatever. I mean, it's a little damaged, but it's intact. And it's perfectly fine. I was like, no, who is she? And then that's when I got the download. <laughs> well, it's a good way to learn about your own pieces that you have. So A little bit. I absolutely love seeing Vlad in a cowboy hat. It's kind of cool. Yes. Uh, Cassie's so, tied-up shirt. Also, you know, cute and sexy. I like that. Well, I like that they kept the uh, cowboy theme for it. But uh, this one was about a group of Native Americans who were praying over the souls of dead buffalo when a cowboy comes along and he murders them all before they can set the spirits of the animals free. So years later, Cassie and Vlad come across a large number of people dead, although I should say just buckets and buckets of blood. And Cassie begins to try and guess what killed them when a half-man, half-buffalo creature comes over to them. Which, you know what, I think that would have been, like, the most fantastic issue. Because, I mean, I love the artwork for this, like, were-buffalo, as I would like to dub it. Mm, definitely. Moving on to the next story, we have De Deadbeats, a uh, story by Gail Simone. Just so everyone knows, Gail Simone has been on Radio of Horror a couple times. Writer of, like, Red Sonia and Birds of Prey. An amazing writer. Uh, art by Chris Moreno, Marino, uh, who I'm not too familiar with, and letters by Crank. Cassie and Vlad go to a... Uh, a theater uh, to do some... Karaoke singing uh, to attend a premiere of some type of play and a bunch of zombies show up and they quickly take care of them and then during intermission they have tea time until more zombies show up and it just becomes a <laughs> gore fest for the both of them. The end. I love that this one is written out as if it's a musical as well. <laughs> right, which I'm not the biggest fan of musicals so that was definitely kind of uh, a bit of a, uh, a thing for me. Um, I don't know what if they're supposed to be parroting any particular songs or not? I don't know. I kind of just, like, made up some of them in my own head. Because, I mean, several of these could have easily been well-known songs. I don't know. That'd be something to look up and see if they were based off of actual songs. But I'm sure they are. It was very cool to see Gail Simone write a hack slash story. That was something I had yes. completely forgotten about. Which you would know way, way more about more of the stuff that she's done but yeah it looks like she's done a lot with DC Comics yes she's a longtime prolific uh, writer in comics um, for a woman who has a very long career too that's uh, she's like always been like the go to you know writer for female writers to aspire to 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 be oh and she's been a part of see I love Domino so that that's awesome the artist on this book, uh, Chris, he worked on uh, some World War Hulk tie-ins, uh, a Toy Story book, uh, kind of sporadic stuff here and there, Dracula versus King Arthur and Dracula versus Al Capone. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, doesn't sound any more ridiculous than a gender swap Dracula, does it? No, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, moving on to the next story. Next one is 
Pack Slash Repeat. Story and Letters by Alex Gresham. Art by Riley Rosmo. Colors by Kelly Tyndall. Jack the Ripper is about to kill his sixth victim when Cassie shows up in a time machine. She goes to help the girl out, but Jack gets away in her time machine. But Cassie explains he's not getting far. He shows up in the future only to be stopped by Cassie again. She explains that it's not a time machine, but a reality machine that connects parallel dimensions. She brings every version of Cassie Hack to that one moment because she actually controls everything with her bat. And they are all surrounding Jack the Ripper to stop him once and for all. The story is by Alec Gretchen, who is an author of short fiction novels, comics, graphic novels, and his most notable work includes Scotland Yard, Murder Mysteries, The Yard, The Black Country, The Devil's Workshop, The Harvest Man, Lost, Gone, and Forever. So he's a novelist, um, not just a comic book writer. Okay, which but, I, I can see the novelist kind of part to it. Mm, but uh, in terms of comics, he's worked uh, for uh, Image Comics and Vertigo. Okay, yeah. The uh, art by Riley Ross Rossimo. Yeah, Ross. Charcy? Yeah, it's Rossimo. Okay, you, I Did my mic it. go out? Yeah, or? no, it's fine. Um, Riley Rossimo, uh, I know I've seen his stuff recently. He is the artist on the um, Shadow Batman, the Shadow meets the Batman uh, miniseries. But he's doing cover art right now for Batman The Adventures Continues Season 2. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's the book that ties into the Batman The Animated Series. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So I'm like, oh, yeah, that definitely sounds familiar. Mm. And he's also worked on Harley Quinn, John Constantine, Wonder Woman, Nightwing... Um, Escape from New York comic book uh, series, Atana, and yeah, so he's got some uh, he's got some credits, but yeah, he's currently doing covers for the uh, animated Batman book, which is very cool. Um, yeah, using Jack the Ripper as a character that uh, I glad that Tim did, but once again, it's also kind of funny to see Cassie without her signature black hair, and she seems very steampunkish in this one. Hmm. But we all the we have the various versions of Cassie as well, so the mm-hmm. caveman Cassie. Yeah, the 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 funny robot Cassie. Yeah, the caveman looking Cassie. Uh, a, a zombie Cassie. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting. What was the other one? Tallahassee hack. That was the one I thought was funny. Indeed. Moving on to the next story. Womb with a view. Writer B. Clay Moore, artist, uh, former guest of the show, Daniel Leister, uh, colorist Jeff Bulk, and uh, letterer Russ Wooten. Uh, B. Clay Moore has worked on The Killers, uh, Miles to Go, uh, a lot of independent stuff, and uh, here or there, stuff for Vertigo, Image, IDW. And Daniel Leister is the current uh, artist on the ongoing Hack Slash. Yep, yep, we've brought him up a lot recently, too. Hmm. Our story opens up with a woman giving birth and the ki- the killer baby bursting out of her frickin' stomach, which has got to be the worst thing for a mother to have to endure. The baby then tries to crawl up inside Cassie's vagina during her gynecology exam, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. Vlad pops the head off. All's well that ends well. Jesus Christ, that has to be absolutely horrifying to be like, oh, I'm going to give birth, and it just rips its way out of your frickin' stomach. Yep. 
guts and, and, and all. Even more horrific to think of how it must have uh, snuck its way in there in the first place because uh, the doctor all of a sudden is realizing, oh, did you know you're supposed to be having twins? And she's like, no, I'm not supposed to be having twins. And I'm assuming he got up there the same way that he was trying to uh, get into poor Cassie. So. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah, it got right up in her sheet. And then it's it's like in her sheet, that's when she realizes something is trying to get inside my vagina. I, I, okay, so Vlad is that strong, he could just pop the head off of the thing like a doll. Mm-hmm, like a Ken doll. That's crazy. It makes me think of that really ridiculous, silly uh, nursery rhyme that used to say as a kid that, you know, Mama had a baby and head popped off. Cassie's getting her guy. Yeah. Cassie getting her gynecology exam is right right up there with like you know when do characters go to the bathroom? (laughs) Yeah. When do they have time? (laughs) When do they have time? I guess she has time right now. I mean, at least she's taking care of her uh, her lady business. Mhm. Gotta stay healthy. Yeah, that's. I highly recommend getting your gynecology exam done, your breast exam done, and your prostate exam prostate exam done. Moving on to the last story, <laughs> which I was, I think is actually one of my favorites. Yes, this one is good as well. Uh, which I think it's pronounced Psyche. Psych. And it's okay. Psych. Okay. So story by Jay Torres, art by Joe Song, letters by Russ Wooten, and Psych is a nice spoof on the film Psycho. Cassie is in the shower at the Kate's Motel, where the son, dressed as his late mother, comes to kill her in the shower. But Vlad is in waiting, and he ambushes him and slices off his arm. Cassie then takes his own knife from his severed hand and stabs him through the heart. She asks Vlad to take care of the body, but to do it outside, because she would like to finish her shower. The uh, absolutely great um, art by Joe Song... Let's see who he is. Uh, really lends itself to the Hitchcockian psycho feel of this whole story. Uh, there's a there's a I singer love... named Joe Song too, by the way. Uh, oh yeah. Art. I love that it's all in black and white as well. Hmm. Let's see. Okay, that's not coming up with anything. Comic book art. Um, still not coming up with anything, unfortunately. So we might have to skip yeah, on the I'm... on the right on the artist, but the. Jay Torres, I know I've heard his name before. Yeah, I'm getting the same problem when I try to look up Joe's song. It brings up like every other Joe in comics known to man, but not him. Joe song, Joe Jay Torres uh, has worked on a comic book tie-in for Teen Titans Go, but this is a comic book tie-in to Teen Titans the animated series, not Teen Titans Go the animated series. That doesn't oh. sound confusing. So the original Teen Titan cartoon. The one that most people like, not the one that's very Looney yes. Tunes-ish and just a giant parody of DC stuff. Yes, the the original one. <laughs> right, right. And there was a comic book tied into that called Teen Titans Go, but again, not to be confused with Teen Titans Go, the animated series. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the all the callbacks to Hitchcock is fantastic. Uh, you know, Cassie getting into the shower and, you know, that's just using it to her advantage, of course, covering using the, uh, the guy's arm to cover up her breast and everything. <laughs> Yep. I I was going to say this one's just 
a nice, fun one, too. Because his, his face, when he realizes that he's about to die, oh my gosh, it's so good. It's absolutely the best stuff. There's also no ads in this entire issue, too, by the way, other than the back for the um, My First Maniac trade paperback and then the previous collections that have come out, omnibuses and other things. Which would kind of make sense with the fact, like what you said, that Tim never had any plans or thoughts of even remaking this or republishing this one again. Right, which if you can find a copy of it, definitely try and pick it up. Like I said, I definitely need to get mine replaced um, and then Tim and everyone else to resign it. But uh, this was a fun little one-shot. I I know that these stories were written as a like a holding pattern for like, oh, maybe we'll take one of those stories and turn it into something one day. And I don't think he has yeah. with any of these, but I'm hoping maybe he'll go back to the well of trailers and be like, all right, we're going to do this as a giant story. And some of them would be pretty uh, cool to actually see them as a full developed story or taking the idea of what they did, kind of like the idea with the uh, the parallel universe device. Although that one would be a little weirder, but especially without Vlad. Right, but we're crossing over in the parallel universes a little bit. Um, in the 15th anniversary one-shot, there was the talk of the parallel universes. That's very true. So very, it could definitely true. can happen. And Tim's no stranger to the multiverse, having done He-Man and the uh, Masters of the Multiverse. Mm-hmm. So it definitely could easily be done, and it brings up more opportunities for more bad guys. So Right. And everyone seems to be about multiverses right now. Um, you know, Marvel and DC are both jumping on those bandwagons with... Yeah. Loki, what if Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and of course, you know, over in DC, they got the uh, the Flashpoint movie in development right now. You know, with the uh, the Superman, um, Lois Lane, daughter, Supergirl, as well as you know, Michael Keaton's Batman is returning. Okay. Yeah. So. Well, hmm. We shall see what Tim, you know, develops. Uh, again, that issue, that 15th anniversary one shot, was supposed to be hints of things to come. And then pandemic happened, and he got busy with other things. So, yeah, we will have to wait and Fingers see. Fingers crossed. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. so all the time we have here for this episode of Goth Girl Horror, the Hack Slash Podcast. You can find us over on Goth Girl Horror on Twitter and on Christy Sav. And you can find me on Charcy Lux. Also, Charcy over on her YouTube channel. Yes, also on my little channel of horrors. Yep. And uh, they, you can also send us an email that radiohorror at gmail dot com. Like, subscribe, and comment. The uh, video link or the uh, what do you call it? The uh, uh, subscribe to iTunes or, or or leave a comment with a rating, five stars. That would be fantastic. And if you are a business who would like to advertise on Goth Girl Horror, please send us an email that radiohorror at gmail dot com and let us know what you would like to do and what your budget is to advertise with us. And we'll be back in a couple weeks with a very interesting story involving Vlad's origin here on Goth Girl Horror.